at the end of last year, I read something amazing uh, written to parents who don't believe in God about how they should help their children with the big questions of life. It was written by a psychologist who wasn't a Christian. And she was basically saying, if you're a parent who don't believe in God, when your children come to you with questions about heaven and faith and the future and God and the big things of life, you should approach it very carefully. Because she was arguing that looking at all of the research and the evidence, it's pretty clear that faith in God is good for your life. And so therefore, even though those parents don't believe in God, she thinks it's best for them to help their children to believe in God. She said these words, the belief in God is one of the best kinds of support for kids in an increasingly pessimistic world. In a world that is outside of our control, and haven't we seen that this year, and in circumstances that so often don't go the way we would want them to, looking at the research, faith makes a massive difference. And I think the writers in the Bible, and Peter, who we're looking at today, would agree with her. But he'd also want to add something really important, that it's not just faith that's important, it's who your faith is in that makes the massive difference. And in the passage we're looking at today, there's two clear ways that Peter says Jesus changes everything. And I think both of these ways have really been modelled for us by Andy. As we celebrate and say thank you to him and to God for all that he's done through Andy, these two clear ways that Jesus makes a difference have been brilliantly lived out amongst us. So what are these two clear ways? Well, the first one is this. Jesus changes how we live in society. Whether or not you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has changed things that has a massive impact on society today. Because these Christians uh, were living in what we now know as Greece and Turkey back in the first century. And they wanted to know if Jesus was now their king, could they ignore <laughs> the emperors and the kings around them? And I guess many of us may not be tempted to ignore, but sometimes we might well be frustrated at the ruling authorities around us. And Peter makes it pretty clear that Jesus changes how we see society. Because rather than just society being here for us, actually, we live to serve Jesus. Society, should I say. Let me read to you, verse 15. For it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So yes, you're free because of Jesus. The whole life has changed now, but because of that, do real good in society. Be a massive blessing. Live with God as your master and therefore live for society, serving it. I don't know if you heard uh, the story in the news a few weeks back. 
about an American billionaire who had given all his wealth away. Uh, he was a guy who'd set up several decades ago a duty-free chain with his friend. And he made a decision pretty early on that with his wealth, I think it was fortune was about $8 billion, he wanted to give it all away by the time he died. So he set up a foundation. And then a couple of weeks back, that foundation had used his last dollar. He'd achieved what he set out to, which was whilst he was still alive, see the good that he could do with what had been given to him. And it was a massive contrast between his co-owner, who'd used all his wealth to buy fancy cars and massive mansions and live the life of Riley. He wanted to serve society compared to being here just for self. And that was modelled to me uh, in a very early conversation I had with Andy when we just moved here from uh, London. We moved to Birmingham uh, and uh, we were having a discussion about the transport system and the differences between London and Birmingham. And if you know anything about London, London's got quite an integrated system where you can buy a travel card and uh, just get on a bus or a tube or a train and it all works. And I couldn't understand how a big city like Birmingham, there were several different bus companies and you had to spend different amounts of money in those buses. I just couldn't get it didn't understand. And, and this conversation, of course, then went into all sorts of other differences. And I remember spiralling a little bit about some of the challenges about Birmingham. And as we were talking about some of the challenges, I, I remember very clearly how Andy approached it. Because he basically said, that's why this city so needs the good news of Jesus. With all of the challenges and all of its brokenness, let's not just moan, let's do something about it. And what we really need to do is to help people all around us discover the freedom and the hope in Jesus, because that changes a city. Jesus changes how we live now. And it changes how we live in our society, as Andy has modelled to us. So that's the first way that Jesus makes a difference. But there's something else, something more incredible is that Jesus not only changes how we live in society, Jesus changes how we approach suffering. Life often doesn't go the way we would want it to. There are often very challenging things, painful things, and some of us know them all too well. And it's easy to have one of two reactions in the middle of hardship and suffering. One is to become bitter and cynical by it. The pain that we've endured, we then kind of force it on others. Or an alternative response is to be completely crushed by it and crippled. Well, Jesus offers a different way to both of those. Because Peter goes on to talk about the relationship between slaves and their masters. And slavery in the ancient world was quite different to the slavery that we might know of the last uh, couple of centuries, the tragic stuff that's been happening. But even then, slavery in those days wasn't great. <laughs> These slaves often endured very difficult, challenging circumstances. And Peter is painting a picture for them that Jesus 
changes how they see their suffering. Verse 20. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable for God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. Because Jesus has died for us, enduring incredible agony, incredible suffering on our behalf, it changes how we then approach suffering. Offering a different path, neither to bitterness and cynicism or to being completely crushed and crippled. Because we follow one who pushed through that suffering beating even death itself. Uh, I remember years ago, this was modeled to me uh, uh, by a family who'd been missionaries in a part of the world in which they'd endured an horrific, brutal crime. I, I mean, horrible. And their story was so incredible, not by the details of the horrors that they'd endured, but their posture out of it because it wasn't one of criticism or condemnation about those who'd done horrible things. And it neither was one that had been completely crushed by the things that lived long in their lives even now. But actually their posture was one of grace and forgiveness. Because they followed a saviour that had suffered for them, beating even death itself. And I remember, uh, again, not that long ago, a conversation with Andy, in which a particular challenge uh, was happening. Um, uh, and even though the challenge around those situations, around that situation, was very real, and the concern about it was very clear, even in that, because of Jesus, he was able to speak so clearly about clinging on to Christ, the one who had endured for us. Jesus changes how we see our suffering because God understands your suffering, suffers with you, and has even beaten death. And that's why Peter says astonishing words in verse 25. Writing to these followers of Jesus, you were like sheep going astray, he said, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He describes Jesus as both a shepherd and an overseer. And it's when we realise that Jesus is both of those, it enables us to push through and live in a different way. Neither bitter or cynical or crushed and crippled, because we have both a shepherd who cares passionately, leading us through like a good shepherd to pastures safe and new. But we also have one who is an overseer, who sees everything and sees all the circumstances and knows the harm that's been done, knows the suffering you're enduring and is judge over it all. It's only when we have those two things in tension and it's only when we realise that Jesus is both shepherd and overseer 
that we're either we're able neither to be crushed or cynical and neither spiral or despair because we have a shepherd leading us to pastures new who cares and a judge who sees all and has no favourites. That enables us to live in society in such a way that we treat all as people we want to serve and we endure suffering in such a way that we realise we have a saviour who beat even death. That's good news. That's the saviour that Andy lives for and in this next chapter of life will follow him wherever he may go. And I guess the question for all of us is, is Jesus my shepherd, my overseer? Because he's there wanting to lead us, wanting to comfort us and wanting to say, I know. Let's pray together. And as we pray, you may find it helpful to hold open your hands. Wherever you are, whether you call yourself a follower of Jesus or not, to simply hold open your hands, as it were, a kind of posture of saying, Jesus, will you be my shepherd? Will you be my overseer? Let's pray. Lord, we pray right now that you'd lead us that we would know you as the good shepherd. You see it all. May we therefore live in such a way as being a blessing for others, knowing that you're the one who suffers with us, suffered for us, and there is always hope. We cling to you, our shepherd and overseer. Thank you, Lord. Amen.